God's Word to, um, and turn to Philippians chapter 4. If you're using a pew Bible, the page numbers are provided for you in our handout insert that you'll find in your bulletin. We've, uh, we've come to the end of what is a fantastic book, the, the, book to the, letter, the letter to the church in Philippi, or Philippians, and I certainly hope that you have enjoyed it as much as I have. In the coming weeks, we'll be beginning, Lord willing, our series on 1 Peter. Um, you know, Paul has a way of putting a lot of things in a few words, and Peter seems to concentrate it even more. Uh, and so please, uh, please consider reading through 1 Peter on your own uh, as we get ready to look at it together as a church. Before we read God's Word, let's pray and ask that He will bless our time together. Father, we do uh, come to Your Word with submission, for it is Your Word. And we desire that you would give us the grace and gift of faith to continue to believe in it and to submit to it and do what it says. For Father, we find life here, for we find you. We pray that you would grant anointing to the hearer and to the preacher of like. Lord, that you would cast before our eyes our Savior once again by your Spirit. It is in his name we ask it. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 and following. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm of speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Well, as we come to the end of this great book, I'm struck that there are very many similarities between the Philippian church and ours. Uh, The Philippian church was known as being a loving church and a friendly church. and I believe the same can be said of ours. The first Presbyterian church of Philippi, if we can call it that, and the one in Bruton, are both known for hospitality. As uh, Paul and his companions discovered when they were released from uh, jail, from the Philippian jail, uh, they went to Lydia's house and were nourished and sent along their way. We too, I believe, flourish in hospitality here at the First Presbyterian Church of Bruton. It was also a, a church that was growing, much like we are, and was serious about the advance of the gospel. It was also a church made up of sinners, just like ours, with real problems and things that needed to be dealt with as we looked to the Lord for grace. 
But one of the things that really struck me as I looked at this passage this week is that both the Philippian church and our church are blessed to be churches that are involved in missions. We have a missions trip coming up, Lord willing, this summer. Uh, We're heading to Renosa with Isaiah 55 Ministries. And so if you're still interested in that, let us know. We had our interest meeting last week, but there's still time to get your name on the list as we hopefully go and get to minister to others in the name of Jesus. But, but not only do we hope to be involved physically with ministry overseas, we are involved in ministry in the community, as we're involved in many different outreaches in town, with the Brute Benevolence Fund, and, and as you tell others about this church and love on folks, and as we invite folks to the church. But also, we are involved financially. Uh, the Lord has blessed and did bless the Philippian church, but also our church, with the blessing of being involved with being a sending church, being involved in, through our faith promise as we give to missions. And we see how the Lord uses that in a mighty way, not only in our lives, but also in the lives of others as the gospel goes forth. The Lord has raised up His church, the body of Christ, and made us, men and women, boys and girls, to be a royal priesthood, body of Christ, as we are called to minister one to the other, as the gospel goes forth in our community, in our culture, across cultural lines, the community, the, the nation abroad, and then obviously uh, around the world. We are the ones whom the Lord has used to send and to go. And as we look towards the upcoming missions conference, the 24th or the 26th of February, this text really gets us ready as we think through our faith promise and our involvement in missions as ascending church. Paul, in these closing lines of the letter to the Philippians, spends most of his time thanking the Philippian church for their very gracious, very gracious help. It hadn't been just a, a one-off thing, but it had been a continuing thing. And the Lord had used it in a great manner to bring much fruit across the known world. And as we'll see in this text, and as we see in our own lives, when we are a giving church, there are blessings, the blessings just abound, they overflow. As we think about the blessings to those who receive the gift of the missionaries and those to whom they minister, but also the blessings that we receive as we give unto the Lord what is already His and dedicate our lives to Him in more ways. But also there are blessings that go to the Lord. We glorify Him when we give generously and even sacrificially to the Lord for missions around the world. So I want to look at these three areas of blessings, of, of to those who receive the gift, of the giver, and ultimately to the Lord, the reason why we give at all. Well, obviously we see that when you give, there is a direct recipient of the gift. And as we think primarily with this text, we think of Paul. Paul has been receiving from the Philippian church uh, support from day one. Paul didn't have a lot. He, he certainly could have asked for more. He often set himself up with tent making when he entered into new lands so as not to burden the local church or, or to lo- the local folks to whom he desired to grow a church. But he did have needs. He was single, possibly a widower, we, we think, Uh, But he was single, and as he ministered and traveled around the known world, he had needs that needed to be met. 
We think of the fact that he had to eat and buy new sandals. Think about all those miles he put on those sandals. He had to pay for transportation such as ships when he went over the sea. He had to rent lodgings and also help those who would be traveling with him. He, he had needs. And so when he showed up in Philippi with Luke and Silas and Timothy... He entered into ministry there. He found just a few Jews and no Christians. But by the time he left, there, were, there was a growing church with Lydia and her household and the Philippian jailer and his household and other brethren, we're told, in Acts. Apparently, they, uh, Lydia and, and uh, the Philippian jailer had gotten pretty busy about evangelism in their own ranks. And many folks were coming to know the Lord. And when he left, apparently Paul and his companions didn't go without material aid from the Philippian church as they ministered in Thessalonica and then outside of Macedonia. Do you, do you have an iPhone? I imagine many of you do. And you know, when the new iPhone comes out, your iPhone is suddenly obsolete. You know, they've actually done studies I heard this week. There was a new study out saying that, that warranty claims for iPhones skyrocket when the new phone comes out. Because suddenly our care and concern for our own, own iPhone uh, dwindles and wanes because we already have the next one on our minds. Have you ever seen the pictures of the crazy folks who go and they, they spend the night for, for days and maybe even up to a week outside the Apple store waiting to get their hands on the next iPhone 30 seconds before the next person. These people are called early adopters. Okay, they adopt early into any new technology. Well, the Philippians, the first Presbyterian church of Philippi, they were early adopters when it came to supporting missionaries. In fact, of all the churches that we read of, I, I really think Philippians may be wrong in saying this, but no other church comes to mind in, in their physical support of Paul, but I could be wrong on that. But certainly nowhere is anyone else commended like the Philippian church for their support. And so we read in verses 15 through 16, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me uh, help for my needs once and again. Not only were they early adopters getting in on the ground floor, they were also repeat customers because they kept sending Paul the help he needed. In fact, we, re- we see this in 18a. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. You'll remember that Paul was in prison at this point. He was most likely in Rome. And when the Philippians heard that he was in jail, they quickly sent Epaphroditus with physical aid that they might help care for him. Think about our missionaries that we support through the faith promise. So so those of you who don't know, our faith promise is the vehicle by which we support local and foreign missions at our church. It's above the tithe, so uh, the Lord is commanded to give uh, give back to him 10% of all that we receive. Uh, It is beyond what we give to the local church. It is that which the Lord has put on our heart to to give that we might uh, promise in a year to give to the Lord to send out to our missionaries. When we think about the missionaries, there are, I think, 12 on the back of your bulletin, if I counted correctly. We we added a couple, too, at the bottom this week, um, whom we started picking up in January. There are 12 foreign missionaries, uh, if that's not correct, feel free to tell me later, uh, and and four um, domestic partners uh, or missionaries or missionary agencies. 
Our church has, over the last several years, floated between a thirty-eight dollars and $40,000 budget, and that's pretty phenomenal. The Lord has blessed us greatly in our endeavor to support missionaries around the world. If you, if you were to put on a map all these different places that we're supporting, we are seeing the Lord use our dollars all over the world to see His kingdom spread. But think about the needs of our missionaries. Think about uh, our missionaries in Mexico, Nono and Kate Beal, as what it costs them in gas each year. As they go back and forth to job sites, as they go back and forth to their home across the, the um, line in Texas, or, or for the high cost of food for Chuck and Waima in England, or the cost of living in a resort town like Christopher and Peggy Hargarden where they're seeking to plant a church, or the cost of transportation for the Cordells and their three children as they try to come back to the States every year or so. Just the cost of transportation it would be for them. These are real needs that our missionaries have. Not thinking about the people they're ministering to, but just their own needs. Just like Paul needed to eat, so our missionaries need to eat. And the Lord uses our giving to help supply those needs. But of course, the Philippian church wasn't supporting Paul just so that he could sit in a barca lounger and, 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 uh, and watch television all day. What were they? They were supporting him so that they might support his ministry. And think about all the people that the Lord got, or that, that Paul got to talk to about Jesus in his lifetime. Certainly, we know of no other servant of the Lord besides Jesus himself who's had such a long lasting impact on the world for ministry and for the growth of the kingdom. Think about the faith promise, if we can say that, of people like uh, the Philippian jailer or Lydia. Think about that. If they got in on the ground floor when they were first converted, then their dollars went to help see the gospel go forth in Berea, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, Antioch, Derby, Iconium, Lystra, Laodicea, Smyrna, Pergamum, Troas, finally Rome, and maybe Spain. We don't know. But through their giving, Paul was able to go and tell the known world about Jesus what impact they had. Or our own context, when we give, we give to our missionaries, not so they can sit in a barca lounger and and watch television, but that they may go and minister to others. Think about what one dollar can achieve. Think about Chris Gill, who's in Birmingham, ministering to veterans with PTSD. Right now, a a cup of coffee of any size at McDonald's costs a dollar. That's a good advertisement for him, Right? That one dollar, that cup of coffee that he would buy for that veteran, and in that conversation they would hear for the first time that Jesus brings healing for long-lasting wounds. Or think about uh, the, the dollar that might go to Edward Lane Bible Institute in Brazil, where it might be used to buy a copy of the Word, a buck or two. The impact that it could have on generations Generations who were affected by the leaders who were brought up there. Or think about, uh, so we're deep into diapers these days, and a buck will, if you buy the cheap diapers, uh, a buck will, will buy about four diapers. Think about the four diapers that a dollar will buy that goes to save a life, to help provide for a scared mother in need. You know, it's, it's easy when we're writing our faith promise check, or even our tithe money and offerings, it's easy to just think academically about it and not put those, uh, those lines together about how the Lord uses and multiplies the money that we are faithful to give um, for ministry. 
The Lord owns every dollar. He owns everything in the world. But do you know where he keeps his money? In our pockets. And he calls us to be faithful to participate in faith promise and our giving to the church and to his ministry. Have you ever seen the blue angels fly? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? I don't care how old or young you are. But man, seeing the blue angels fly is just fun. You know, there are only six pilots that fly the F-A-18. Six. But there are 110 people in the squadron. Think about all the support personnel that are needed for six pilots to accomplish what they do. And so when we combine our dollars, $1 here, $2 here, $10 here, when we combine our dollars with other churches across our denomination and across denominational lines across the world, and the Lord multiplies them, and all those sending people with just a few overseas and what the Lord can accomplish. The Lord also blesses the giver in a mighty way. We see this in verse 17. Not that I seek the gifts, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul here is not looking so much for the gift, but he is more concerned in an amazing way. If I were in prison, I'd be pretty concerned about my next meal, but he's more concerned about the blessings that they will receive. The Lord would grow them because they're giving. Paul uses here um, an economic term. In fact, if you have an ESV, you'll notice at the bottom that this phrase can also be translated as, I seek the profit that accrues to your account. We aren't saved by works. This isn't your salvation account. This is fruit. This is the growing of our faith. Proverbs 11.25, Whoever brings blessings will be enriched. Proverbs 19, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for the deed. 2 Corinthians 9, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest for your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Malachi 3, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put in your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And from our own text, Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The Lord uses us for the blessing of seeing the gospel go forth, and they are blessings for us as well. Not only sometimes the Lord will bless us financially, sometimes not. We don't do it so that we might be repaid. But the Lord does bless us. Sometimes, as one person put it, of the good conscience or assurance of salvation, enriched fellowship with other believers, a broadened outlook to the needs and interests of the church universal. Increased joy and love, a higher degree of glory in heaven, and judgment day praise. Certainly it was a blessing for the Philippians to give, and certainly it is a blessing for us as well. The blessings to God. Paul ends this section with verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Why do we give? Is it so that we can brag to others some percentage or some amount or how many missionaries? Sometimes, actually, we do that. Why are we supposed to give? 
We're supposed to give for the glory of the Lord. Think think about how the Lord is glorified. When a deaf child in Renosa hears for the first time from the hands of his instructor that Jesus came to die for him. Think about the party according to Philippians 15.10 that is thrown when one sinner comes to know Jesus. Think about the glory when villages are converted. Think about the glory and pleasure of the Lord when people turn to Him for salvation. He is glorified in our midst when we do that. He's glorified in our giving and He's glorified to use our paltry efforts for His glory to accomplish the spreading of His glory and His kingdom around the world. My friends, what an amazing privilege we have to participate in the sending of missionaries. We are missionaries in this town to our families, to our homes, to our workplaces, to our neighbors. And we have the privilege of helping send missionaries all over the world that more people might know Jesus. So as we come to the faith promise uh, about a month from now, um, I commend you to be praying even now the Lord would lay upon your heart above your tithes and offerings of how the Lord might use you for giving to see His kingdom extended all around the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for um, allowing us to cooperate in ministry with You. We thank You for using uh, broken, uh, broken, crooked, wretched sticks like us to show the narrow way of Jesus. Father, we pray for laborers that would go out in our own neighborhoods, in our own nation, and around the world, that a great harvest of souls um, might come, Father, from Your people being faithful. We pray that You would do all these things for Your glory and Your glory alone. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.